Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast and the website is mytaughtyou.com. Um, every so often I get a note asking, what exactly do you do? I am the founder of curlbox.com. It is an exclusive, affordable, and effortless way to try hair products for naturally curly hair. Um, it's so exclusive that we accept members just one day per month. To find out how to get on the list, visit curlbox.com. Today's podcast is going to tackle a few things. This is a Q&A solo cast, and I'm going to talk about our parents' influence on our lives and decisions. I'm going to talk a little bit about the retreat and the applications and a question that I got about how we present ourselves on paper. I am going to answer um, a career question from a 26-year-old that I think will apply to us all because when I made my notes on it, I told a story uh, about my career and where I was at the time, and I believe I was 29 or 30, so I think it will apply to all. Um, One month of the year is down. I hope you are focused. Uh, I hope you have been doing well, and I just hope that Um, your life has been as smooth as it can possibly be. So let's get into this first letter. Hello, Miss Smiley. I am a 21-year-old Arkansan attending the University of Arkansas Little Rock majoring in marketing. My parents had me later in life, so all of my life I have been called an old soul. I used to hate it, but I have learned to love it because it is what makes me, me. Miss Myleek, I don't know what direction to go in. I've always done what my mother said was best for me, and now I feel crippled. I have so many dreams and ideas, and for the most part, she allows me to roam freely as long as they are in the daytime and in the middle of Little Rock. If the activity does not meet those requirements, I am presented with constant reminders of how dangerous things are nowadays. It's gotten so bad that now she doesn't even have to say it. I just think it, even though I know I shouldn't. I'm afraid to do anything alone. If I want to go out and network, the first thing I get asked is, who's going with you? I know she is doing it out of love, but how am I supposed to get out of my shell in the house? I have always been the smartest person in the room, and I just want to be in a different room. I am not shy, and for the most part, I'm actually quite the chatty Cathy, so I don't think I necessarily need a wingman all of the time. I feel that I am stuck between what I know and have the potential to be and what I am now. I feel like I'm missing opportunities because I'm afraid and I don't want to disrespect my parents. I am still living at home and can't afford to move out, so for the most part, I comply with their rules. Not to mention, I realize that I'm all over the place. I have my real estate license. I'm working on a business plan. I'm trying to be a personal assistant. I'm a student and I work. I just want to be the best I can be. I'm trying to stick with college because I know the importance of knowledge. I love to learn, but I also know that college is not the only way to learn. I have often dreamt of dropping out of college, but then I think to myself, so what are you going to drop out of college to work when you find, when will you find time to get out there and network and create? Our society has beaten the importance of going to school into our heads, but I'm not sure if that's truly for me. I don't mind putting in hard work. Once I commit to someone, I get the job done. 
I might have one or two small emotional breakdowns in the shower from the stress, but I pull it together and float on, LOL. I'm still trying to grow and even did a self-assessment. I had a touch of millennial entitlement and your podcast with Mr. Daytuan really helped me see it. I have always understood that in order to get something in life, you have to work hard. It was just kind of funny to listen to you both thinking, I don't understand how people think they're supposed to just walk in someone's door and shoot to the top instantly. And then later I realized, oh my, I've done this before. I'm one of those people. I used to not have any self-confidence at all, but it seems that over the years I've allowed my head to enlarge a little too much. Although change doesn't happen overnight, I quickly started making those steps to come off my high horse. Thank you so much. I needed that deflation. I try to keep myself in check as much as I can. I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, am I too advantageous? And I put in quote, I put in parentheses, I'm not sure if you meant advantageous or ambitious, but we can talk about both. Um, how do you find your center when you have so many dreams? Am I moving too fast or should I relax a little? Um, please don't hold back on the advice. I need all the wisdom I can get. Okay. Okay. Y'all know I got my coffee this morning and I've got some, some water because I've got some long notes, six pages of notes for this podcast, but let's start with this. And let's start with your parents. We all love our parents. Well, most of us do. Um, and most of us don't realize the things that our parents pass down to us that we sort of go through life doing sub or unconsciously, right? Um, I did a little bit of research because I just didn't want to come out and say, you know, sometimes our parents do the most and jack us up in life. But uh Parents and kids affect each other's anxious tendencies just by sharing a roof is a sentence that I found. And what that means is that as you grew up, your parents had the opportunity to teach you to learn how to deal with things based on your age, right? So um, sometimes we are afraid when we are toddlers and when we are five and when we are 10 and then when we are teenagers and Based on your age, it's our parents' job to teach us how to deal with the anxiety um, or fear that naturally just comes along with growing up. But when our parents are just as anxious, um, and maybe their parents were just as anxious, you may not learn how to deal with things based on your age, um, or they apply their anxiety to your life and then you become afraid of everything which is what I kind of got that you were recognizing just based on the letter um uh and I don't think that you are completely afraid of everything but I think we are definitely in the neighborhood so um David Anderegg, a professor at Bennington College and author of Worried All the Time, says the crux of the problem is frequency overestimation, a phenomenon that throws off our sense of how common something is. Um, the media overplays things and makes people overestimate probabilities, right? Crimes, carjackings, kid abductions. Um, because our culture is so visual, he says, even if something is rare, the images are repeated so much, you start to think it's not rare. So we have lost the ability to see 
things as like black and white, it's either a hundred percent safe or it's dangerous. Right. So that is something that I believe that your parents sounds like your mother may be struggling with. And our good buddy, um, John Walsh from America's most wanted says you teach your child hygiene, sex education, and the most important thing is personal safety and to not be paranoid. Um, don't tell them they can't go to a sleepaway camp or go online. You have to give them the tools to make them safe, which brings me to the fact that you don't have the tools yet. Um, you said, I have always done what my mother said was best for me. Um, Something that I have learned is that our parents tend to want us to become what's best for them, right? So um, the paths that they tend to guide us on are what would make them or their friends happy. Oh, she's a doctor, you know, or she's in law school. Um, I think I realized that at a young age that the advice that I was getting from my parents tended to be inspired by them and what they may have wanted to be. We all know the parent that didn't do something and now they want to see their child do it. You know, a lot of us, our parents didn't complete college and all they want us to do is complete college. Um, Many of us, you know, are doing things to please our parents first. Um, A lot of, you know, I've done a lot of things because I really wanted my parents to be proud of me. Um, But there's hearing your parents out when they have something to say, you know, and I just, I, I look back on some of the things that my dad said to me when I said, you know, dad, I really want to go into the entertainment industry. And I remember whatever it was about that really scared him. And he called me at like six o'clock in the morning and was like, you know, my league, I was just thinking about you and this entertainment industry thing. And I just don't know what you, I don't think that you get what you're signing up for. The only way that you can work in the entertainment industry is to sleep your way to the top. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I was like, what? You know, I don't know where he had gotten that from, you know, but if he, he maybe he knew one person that had done it. And now my dad is applying that to everything. And it was like, that's not true. Um, that was not the case. And, um, we can hear our parents out. We can hear our parents out. And then there's blind obedience. Um, so of course I did some research on blind obedience because I want to like have the facts to be able to tell you how I feel. And so, um, Obedience is compliance with commands given by an authority figure. And in the 1960s, the social psychologist Stanley Milgram did a famous research study called the Obedience Study, and it showed that people have a strong tendency to comply with authority figures, which in this case is our parents. Researchers think several factors cause people to carry obedience to extremes, which is where I feel like we are not completely, but we're in the neighborhood. Um, People justify their behavior by assigning responsibility to the authority rather than themselves. So in this letter, um, a lot of what you hadn't done, what you didn't understand, why you haven't gone anywhere at 21 years old was assigned to your authority, your parents, your mother. Um, People define the behavior that's expected of them as routine. You know, you're sort of in a bit of routine. 
people don't want to be rude or offend the authority. You love your mother, you know, you don't want to disrespect your parents. People obey easy commands first and then feel compelled to obey more and more difficult commands. This process is called entrapment and it illustrates the foot in the door phenomenon. So this is all the research that I did to make my point. I wanted to break this down because I just can't come out and say that your parents don't have a clue um, of what's going on. They may, I'm not going to say they don't completely, but you know, I don't think that they fully know what you want or how you want to live your life. Um, my parents were trying to live my life from the sixties. No, (laughs) ma'am. They didn't get it a lot of the times, but I still went on with my plans. They look back now and applaud me for sticking to my guns um, because my parents weren't really big time risk takers. I think in a lot of ways they took some risks um, in how they moved us, um, you know, slightly out of the inner city from, you know, I guess South Central to Inglewood, which wasn't, you know, considered the worst place to live at the time. Um, My dad just retired from the only job I have ever known him to work at since I was born. My dad started the job when I was born there and he was there for 36 years before he retired. So imagine my dad gives me good um, advice, but I think the undercurrent uh, a lot of the times doesn't involve a ton of risks. Uh, My mom, less risky. My my dad would push me a bit. Um, Each of us is our own person and final decisions should be our own. The only thing that we owe our parents is to remain the decent, respectful human beings that they hopefully raised us to be. Um, you said one of the one of the things you said that really just kind of like cooked my grits a little bit was for the most part, she allows me to roam freely. I'm like a 21 year old that has to ask where they can go and what they can do does not make me happy. You're 21 years old and it's time for you to start working on your independence. So the answer to all of your questions is that it is time for you to start working on your independence. I put together a prescription for you. This is my six point prescription. Number one, Start making friends with people you admire and respect at school or at work. You said you're quite the chatty Kathy. You're not shy. Um, It's time for you to start spending a lot of time with progressive people that are your age. Where are some of the 21 year olds that go to school with you that are working? What are they doing? Where are they living? Who are these friends that may not necessarily be living with their parents? Maybe they're living on campus um, or maybe they have an apartment. Number two, hopefully you can get together with your friends and Perhaps you guys put your money and resources together and you get a place. Maybe it's time for you to move into the dorms. Maybe it's time for you to find some roommates on the college campus. Um, Going from home with your parents to roommates is a great transition. Number three, start learning the things that you don't know how to do because your parents have done them for you. From now on, I want you filling out all of your own slips. I want you to do all of the talking for yourself. 
Um, I want you to start making your own decisions and I want you to learn how to cook and how to fix little things around the house if you don't already know how to do that. Number four, um, I want you to start envisioning the city or area you want to live in and start going to look at the apartments or look at the dorms um, that that are in your area. You have to visualize your independent life. You will be able to make some better decisions about what you want to do and where you want to go and who you want to meet once you are living a life that is not um, entrapped in entrapment, if you will. Um Hopefully you start to get excited about the idea of having the things you want that maybe your parents don't necessarily care for. I know, and my mom would probably try to debate me on this, but I know for a fact that my mother probably would have talked me out of buying the house that I currently live in out of fear. Mm, Girl, that's too much. How much is it? That's too much. Look at that house, girl. It's too big. That's too much house. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when this happens? Oh my God, I remember when my friend got a house and this and that broken. Oh my God, and I remember, uh uh-uh. It's time for you to get out of that. Number five, make sure you're always making and saving money. You live at home now. You should be saving. There's no excuses, no excuses, no excuses. Um, Final thing is to remove the pressure from yourself to pick a path. You're 21. You don't really know what you want, nor do you have to decide right at this moment. Take what's paying you now. Take the job that's paying you now get the experience, get the skills so that you can get hired somewhere better later. These are called steps. So all the other stuff, I hear you, the real estate license, the school, the work, this, that, and the third, but your biggest uh, job right now is to become an independent woman. Good luck. Write me back. Let me know what you're doing. Ciao. Alrighty. Next question. Um, Hi, my leak. I love your podcast. I listen to it faithfully and have learned so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, like many women, did not get selected for the retreat. While I am disappointed to have not been selected, I think that this is a great time for myself and others to take this as a learning opportunity. What are some tips and advice you have for showing people how to present themselves on paper? Okay. First, I was completely overwhelmed at the number of applications that I received for the retreat. In an effort to halt the process and sort of wrap my mind around it, I waitlisted many people. Um, I really, it was moving so fast and I always feel like when things are moving too fast, slow the train down by stopping it. We have a year to go. Um, I am very ambitious and I tend to underestimate the excitement around the things that I create. Um, I genuinely had no idea that so many women would want to spend this amount of money on a retreat. You know, it's 3,500 plus when you add the flights, almost 4,000. I'm like, wow, I think about where I was and I just really didn't think that it was going to have this huge, huge, huge response. I just didn't. Next, I will admit, wait, 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 before I get into that. So even if you were waitlisted you weren't necessarily rejected which I think a lot of people processed it as it was just like hold on um hold on just one second um next and there are only a hundred slots and I think that the first day 700 people applied and then after that there were even more applications so 
even if, even, you know, there are still slots available, I had to halt it, but it will be impossible for everyone to come, which is, is a learning experience for myself and something to think about for 2019. So don't count yourself out just quite yet. And I imagine it's going to get better and better as we keep working on it. The next thing was, I will admit that reading many of the applications made me very, very sad. Um, I'm not sure if people were writing in and applying from a sort of like feel sorry for me perspective. You know how people write in to Oprah and tell them like the worst things that happened to them and they get a new house and a new car and so on. So I wasn't sure if it was that uh, because I'm like, people are paying for this. I don't think that they would write like that or um, if this many people that listen to this podcast really um, were that way, you know, I it made, it really bummed me out. Like I was in a really sad space after reading a lot of the applications. And so I think it's less about how you present yourself on paper and more about how you present yourself in life, in this life. Um, the only life that you will have as far as I know. And it takes me to this point of like, do you use your circumstances to define yourself or to introduce yourself. Uh, I was on Periscope the other day and someone wrote me and kind of was like, you know, can you do a podcast with a single mom? Because, you know, it's just different. It's harder. You know, you don't get it sort of deal. And I don't get it. You are correct. Um, But what I do get is the fact that, you know, I have single mothers that work with me that, I've never heard use the fact that they were single mothers for any reason to not get anything done or why they weren't any place. You know, there is a single mother who works with us, who wakes up at 4.30 to catch the bus to work. You know, I have a single mom of four who just hauls ass daily. And so you are correct. I personally don't get it, but I sometimes my motto is if one person is doing it, it can be done. And heck, if nobody's doing it, it can be done. So your circumstances don't determine what's possible for your life, your actions, your choices, your decisions do. So in changing your story and in changing the way you tell your story, it's like, what am I willing to sacrifice to change my story? What am I willing to give up? What temporary comforts am I willing to give up for long-term satisfaction? Um, Will you give up your need for the approval of others in order to get where you want to go? Um, And so I was concerned about the vibe. I really didn't want this to be a broken hearts affair, you know, a pull out the violins and see whose story is worse kind of thing, Um, because that's not who I am. That's not who you are. You are not what happened to you. You are what you make happen. So my suggestion is tell your story based on what you've made happen. And if it's nothing, get busy. I hope that helps. Write me if it doesn't. I always love hearing from you. Final question is a pretty good, awesome career question. Um, from someone who I've actually had an opportunity to sit down with before. Uh, but she wrote me. So here goes. I was laid off from my job on Friday due to due to corporate restructuring. They wiped the department clean from the VP down to myself, who was the newest hire. The company is changing directions and is in a period of huge transition. So I totally understand why this occurred. My issue is this is my second layoff in 12 months. 
I was previously laid off from a startup due to lack of funding. I don't take layoffs personally. Maybe I should, but the constant transition in my career is draining me and causing me to have doubts. I want to work for someone or a company where I can contribute long term, not just for a few months. I always thought that a traditional job would allow that, but it hasn't been the case. Am I constantly accepting the wrong opportunities? While I'm 26 years old, I feel that I have a lot to offer and am eager to work. I had convinced myself that I needed to be in corporate America in order to continue to grow as a marketer and a professional. However, it seems like corporate America doesn't love me as much as I love it. Sounds dramatic. I know. LOL. What would you recommend someone in my position? What would you recommend to someone in my position? Um, Continue job searching or focus on freelancing plus contracting? I am open to any opportunity, no matter how big or small. I'm just looking for a bit more stability and longevity, a place that will allow me to make an impact. Sometimes that feels like going out on my own as a consultant, freelancer, entrepreneur. And other times I crave being an employee and being dedicated to one company and a mission. I just feel like I need to pick a lane and stay in it. My fear isn't paying my bills. I'm willing to do anything from work at Target to Uber to get that done. I just want to make sure I'm making the best decision long term and putting myself in positions to grow. I say all of that to say, what would you do at 26 with this opportunity? Job search or build on your own. Okay, I just realized that as I made my notes for this, I didn't necessarily answer the question. So I will make sure that I answer it at the end. And oh my goodness, you guys, I'm like starving my stomach if if this microphone was on my stomach I'd be embarrassed um so and I don't know why it is that whenever I start recording these podcasts I just get like so hungry as if I hadn't eaten in two years it's insane um so here's my answer (laughs) pick the person you want to work for not the company and I searched high and low for some um some sort of like text on that because I have read that in a few different res- in a few different sources. I couldn't find it online. So, um, but I, I have read this a ton that you should pick a person or like a position that you want to work for versus the company. Um, and I'll say this, like nothing is stable. Nothing is stable. Every time someone asks me if I'm afraid of being an entrepreneur because of stability, I just crack up and say no, because at least I know that I can keep myself in the game with my hard work. But like, there's no sort of stability and longevity in anything. Everything you do is a risk. Um, I've probably told this story before because I just can't seem to forget it and I can't stop telling it. But I was at a friend at one of my really close friends houses And, um, at the time I was a freelance PR person and my friend was what I, you know, he worked at in corporate, like a company that, you know, very well. And he had invited his company's PR person and we were just talking PR. And I remember her sort of being like, you know, um, I'm getting that corporate check I forget the full context of the conversation, but I may have been feeling insecure about it because, you know, that's how we get sometimes like our 
when we don't feel like we're as popping as someone else or when someone thinks their position is more popping based on the times. And I I look back on that time and at the time I'm certain she was making more money than I have, than I was, but today I'm certain that it's a much different story. Um, so it doesn't matter, but it's like, I'm going to talk about why we make the decisions and how that conversation, which is, you know, influence, right? Invisible influence. I'm reading a book. I think the title is invisible influence and about how our decisions and the conversations we have and the things we do shape, you know, things. So just how that conversation, how she felt about getting that corporate check, you know, and how stable she may have thought it was. And she may still have the job. I think my friend said she still did. So, um, that's one thing, but I don't, you know, I'm not worried about stability because I just don't, you know, companies restructure every day and companies are in business for themselves, not for you. Um, so I think that that was a long winded way of saying it's likely time to consider your sub or unconscious beliefs that you have about having a corporate job. Think about what that means to you and what you want it to mean to others. Um, Our decisions tend to be based on invisible influence, things that we see and believe um, influence what we sub or unconsciously do. You know, I want people to think this about me or I don't want to do that because I don't want people to think that about me. Um, Which brings me to the story I'm going to tell you. When I moved to Atlanta eight years ago, after working at one of the pre- premier PR firms in Beverly Hills. I worked on top clients like American Idol. I had been on the red carpet. Um, I had gone on tour with Lincoln Park. I had gone to Mexico um, for nearly a week for an international press junket with The Rock and Exhibit for the movie Gridiron Gang. Like that is just like maybe an eighth of the things that I had done. And I moved to Atlanta eight years ago and I could not find a job. I just knew that all of that experience, all of my hustle, all of my desire would land me the job of my dreams because I mean, who has done all of the stuff I've done, right? I got desperate and just started applying everywhere. Like you said, Target, Uber, babysit, walk dogs, braid hair. I was willing to do anything at that point. Um, in the doing of anything, I had signed up on this website and, uh, Kim of Real Housewives of Atlanta found my profile and called me on Valentine's Day eight years ago. So Kim Zolciak, Real Housewife of Atlanta, she had just done her first season, found me random, probably not randomly, but on this website um, and, and called me. I'll never forget that. So she called me on my cell phone. We agreed to meet the next day, which was a Monday. I interviewed with her and she offered me the job on the spot. You know, Kim wanted a personal assistant to sort of help her navigate these this new world of celebrity that she had just um, came into. She went from not being a celeb to now being a celeb. So... Kim gave me $100 for my time that day, $100 cash for the interview. Who does that, right? I needed the job. I needed the job. 
but I didn't want to take it because not only was I going to be in a supposedly lower position, I was going to be in a lower position on national television. This was the second season of the show. There was no way that I could have done my job efficiently and not been on television. Talk to my dad about it, but I talked to Kim about it. You know, I think sometimes you have to have the conversation. So I talked to Kim about it and Kim said, my leak, do as much or as little as you want to do on the show. She said, they may ask you to do some crazy things, but it's ultimately up to you because the show had already turned her life upside down and she didn't want me feeling away, um, feeling used, feeling anything because they were paying her, not me. And she understood that. And I appreciated that. And I've always appreciated Kim about that to this day. Um, next thing is I call my dad and um, I remember being in the car, driving down Peachtree, chatting with my dad. And he said, so you aren't going to take a job that so many other people would die to have because you're worried about what people are going to think. Mindset shift happened immediately. Like dad snatched me up and got me together in a second. And that is something I appreciate my dad, even though, my, like I said, my parents didn't take risks, but my dad constantly checked me on worrying about, and my mom too, worrying about what other people thought. At the time, Kim was on one of the highest rated television shows in network history. She knew the city of Atlanta that I had just moved to and she knew it so well and working with her taught me the city quickly. I can't tell you how fast I learned Atlanta. Kim had me doing everything under the sun. I mean, this is pre- pre ways and pre, you know, map directions. I was just getting to know this city, meeting people, you know, having, doing things on Kim's behalf, got me in a ton of doors, really enhanced my relationships in this city. So quickly, um, I got to travel with Kim. Um, I had never even been to Miami and Kim took me on my first trip to Miami. Uh, I got access to a ton of things, believe it or not. I learned quite a bit from Kim who I hope to have on the podcast. She said she'd do it, but I got to find some time to get her on. But Kim took her job seriously. And I saw that at the time when I'd be on Twitter and seeing how many people were saying like, why does she need a nanny and this and that she has no job but she took her job seriously she'd show up she'd give the producers what they wanted she would always say my leak um nobody would tune in to watch me if I was sitting around baking cupcakes every day she gets it um she I I noticed something about Kim that like I said there's a common denominator in successful people I watched how she treated the crew So when the cameraman came in, you know, all of the crew that it takes to film this show, she'd offer them food. She'd crack jokes with them. She'd offer them her cigarettes, whatever they wanted. She was kind to the staff, something that we have to always remember to do. I never forgot that. Um, she takes her, her look and her beauty seriously. Like you can't sell bombshell and not commit to the process. Kim is committed to the process, honey. Teeth, brows, uh, roots, skin, <laughs> clothes, body. She was committed and she's not where she is on accident. So you work for the person or the position 
not necessarily the company. Sometimes the company is the person, but even then you pick the person. So your question was, what would I do at 26 with this opportunity, job search or build your own? I would people position search while building my own. Um, you're still young and I still think that um, I did a podcast with my friend Spencer a couple of weeks ago where he talked about, I think it was long cuts or shortcuts, um, something about how he was taking up photography and instead of, you know, reading and studying, he was just meeting with people who had already succeeded at this. And so it sounds like you're entrepreneurial and you want to become an entrepreneur um, at some point and maybe you don't or you want to be in a position to work for a company that is inspiring and um, maybe stable and, and that sort of thing. And so I would look for people who are running brands uh, and try to get on with them because what I have learned about those people, you know, those people who are just amazing is that they're going to be amazing at anything they do. You know, whether they're running a nightclub or a gym or a car dealership, they're just great people. And I would want to be around those people to pick up those nuggets to carry with me in my life. I have worked with a lot of celebrities, um, all of the jobs that I had post-college professional jobs were working for VPs. So I worked for people in powerful positions and watched how they made decisions. A lot of times we don't even realize that just being in the company of someone and watching how they move, how they speak to people, um, how they decide to, to move forward with things will teach us a ton. And so at your age um, or any age, I would say pick the position, manage your, uh, do some self-assessment in the invisible influence that you may have about quote unquote corporate jobs or wanting to say you work for this person or that person or be popping um, or to be able to at some brand or at some company and let everybody know that you popping and you're doing the most and all that. It's like um, grind time is putting your head down and doing what you need to do regardless of what people are going to think about it. So I hope that helps. The website is mytaughtyou.com. You can email me your questions at mytaughtyou at gmail.com. Thank you as always for listening. Ciao.